0: Now let's turn to this passage that is a difficult one. I believe it's probably the most difficult passage in the Bible. If you've never heard Genesis 22, and I want you to pretend tonight that you've never heard this passage before. And so this is the first time you hear about Abraham being tested. And we're going to look at three things tonight. First of all, testing, and secondly, questions, and then last, in the last part, answers. Now, let's listen to what God says to us. That first verse is such a huge one. Sometime later, God tested Abraham. And he said to him, Abraham, here I am, Abraham replied. But then the Lord said, take your son, your only son who you love, Isaac, and go to the region of Moriah and sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain I will show you. Early the next morning, Abraham got up and loaded his donkey, and he took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place that God had told him about. And on the third day, Abraham looked up and saw the place in the distance, and he said to his servants, Stay here with the donkey while I and the boy go over there. We will worship, and then we will come back to you. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering, and he placed it on his son Isaac. When they had reached the place that God had told him about, Abraham built an altar there and he arranged the wood on it and he bound his son Isaac and he laid him on the altar on top of the wood. And then he reached out his hand and he took the knife to slay his son. But the angel of the Lord called out to him from heaven, Abraham, Abraham, here I am, he replied. Do not lay a hand on the boy, he said. Do not do anything to him. Now I know that you fear God because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. And Abraham looked up, and there in the thicket he saw a ram caught by its horns. And he went over and he took the ram, and he sacrificed it as the burnt offering instead of his son. And so Abraham called the place, The Lord Will Provide. And to this day it is said, On the mountain of the Lord it will be provided. May God bless his word here to our hearts as we listen to what God says in this amazing passage in the Bible. Dear friends in Jesus Christ, we're looking here at a time when life doesn't make sense. And I think every one of us at some point in our life has had a time when what's happening in our life doesn't seem to make sense. And we look at what's happening and we look at what we've always been taught about God and as we said with the Heidelberg Catechism about God's providence and about how God is the one who provides for us and God is the one who loves us and God is the one who has compassion on us. And then there are times in life when what's happening just doesn't seem to jive with a God of compassion and mercy and grace and love and we, we say life doesn't make sense sometimes. Sometimes. I'll never forget when I was pastor in Denver, Colorado, that I was called on a Monday morning to come to someone's house. And uh, I I went to the house there, and then uh, it was of a young couple from our church. When I got to the door, she came to the door, and I heard this scream from her, like a scream I've never heard before. And she told me that she had put down her three-month-old son for his nap that morning. She went to look at him about an hour later, and he was lifeless. He was suddenly gone. It was what we call—and I had never heard of it before—a Sid's death, a sudden infant death. No explanation for it. He hadn't been sick for a while before. He was perfectly formed, and I'll never forget when I went with them to the funeral home and saw his body in the casket, that little white casket, three months old and perfectly formed. No reason for this, and thinking of the pain of that mother and that father in that situation, they just simply held each other and sobbed when they saw their son there. They had a a daughter who was older, about three years old, and now this son was gone, just like that. And and how that can cause you to have such pain in your heart that you say, why, Lord, when we pray for a child, Why is it taken from us so suddenly? And why without any warning or any explanation? And the truth of the matter is that God doesn't explain to us. And he doesn't have a duty to explain to us. But the hurt is so deep within us because we love God. And we've always been taught to trust in him. And then life doesn't make sense. I think of what happened to one of our children. We have four children. We have three girls and a boy. Our son is the oldest, and then our three daughters. And our oldest daughter's name is Laura. And uh, there was a time in her life where she had several miscarriages, and it was so hard for her. She lost twins, and she lost other children. And finally, it came to a point where, for a while, she wasn't going to church anymore, and she couldn't bear to see a baptism of another baby And she felt so far from God at the time. And then she prayed that God would give her and her husband children. And then we heard that they were going to have twins. And then the twins were born, and they named them Micah and Morgan. We call them M&M. It's Micah and Morgan, their names. And Micah was healthy from the very beginning, and Morgan was way ahead of him at the beginning. They had their shots at the same time. They ate the same food. They lived in the same house. Everything was the same. They were growing. And when Morgan got to be and the Micah got to be about 14, 15 months old, suddenly she wasn't looking at us anymore. And no matter what, I remember one time thinking, maybe she's deaf, and I went up behind her and I clapped my hand and I shouted her name and there was no reaction. So I thought to myself, It's got to be one of two things, probably. She may be deaf, or perhaps she has autism. She was tested, and it turned out that she does have autism. She's severely limited. They're 14 years old now, but she goes to Elam Christian School, and she has only a few words in her vocabulary. She doesn't know what danger is. She functions on a level where she probably, unless God causes a miracle... She will always have to be taken care of all of her life. I, I grieve for my daughter. I grieve for Morgan, the things that she'll never enjoy in the world like we do. And then the question is, why? It doesn't make sense. Usually it's boys that have autism, not girls. Why is it that Morgan has autism? Why is it that, that she will never enjoy the world the way we do? It just doesn't make sense sometimes. And then I think of what Abraham went through here. And the Bible says very plainly in verse 1, when his whole life changed is the moment when the Bible says, sometime later, God tested Abraham. That's what God did. And how did God test Abraham? Well, God tested Abraham because he said to him, Abraham, Abraham, and Abraham said, here I am. And listen to this test from God. God said, take your son, your only son whom you love, Isaac. Now listen to this test. And imagine you never heard of it before. Go to the region of Moriah and sacrifice him there as a burnt offering on a mountain I will show you. Can you imagine Abraham hearing these words from God? Now, Abraham loved God. And Abraham believed that God is a God of love. God had shown him mercy and grace. God had chosen him to leave his family behind and to go all the way to a promised land that God would show him. And Abraham trusted God. He was 75 years old when he got the call. And he knew that God took care of him all the way to that land. And then when he got there, God said, you're going to have a son of the promise. And Abraham waited and waited for that son And then when he's 100 years old, that son is born. Impossible, but a miracle from God. He had had a son through Hagar named Ishmael. He had another son, but that wasn't the son of the promise. God said, that's not the one I have chosen. But here is his son, and here it says his only son, the only son of the promise, the one through whom all the promises of God would come, the one through whom his descendants would be like the sands of the seashore the one through whom the the king would reign forever and ever. All these promises, your your descendants will be like the stars of the sky. And now God says, this, it doesn't make any sense. Take your son and offer him as a burnt offering. It must have just stabbed his heart to hear God saying that to him. It, It must have been that Abraham had, hearing these words simply didn't, didn't believe God would ask him to do such a thing because God, he knew, God knew about Moloch, the God of the pagans around them. And God knew that this false God was made of bronze and it had long arms on it and it was hollow in the back. And they would put wood in the back and stoke up Moloch with his hands outstretched. And then the families who believed in the God, the pagan God Moloch would take their firstborn son and lay him in the red-hot arms of Moloch and burn him as an offering. And he knew that God said, that's wrong. So how can this be? What has happened here? Has God somehow changed? Has he lost control? Why would God ask me to do this? And so you see the testing, how painful it is. Take your son and sacrifice him as a burnt offering To me, and it makes no sense. You see, sometimes when we can try to make sense out of something, we can stand a lot of pain at those times. When it seems to be that the puzzle pieces fit together, then the pain is bearable to us. But there are times when life just doesn't make sense. And this is the classic example in the Bible. There's nothing like this in the Bible at all to offer your own son, the son of the promise, through whom all the promises of God would be, how is Abraham going to respond to this? And Abraham knew what the Bible tells us, that God is a God who doesn't always explain to us. He is a God who tells us that he conceals the matter from us sometimes. And in Deuteronomy chapter 25, it says, it is the glory of God to conceal the matter sometimes. And then the Bible says to us in Isaiah 55, God says, my thoughts are not always your thoughts. And my ways are not always your ways. And and God calls us to just trust that we will not always understand. 1 Corinthians 13 says, now we see us through a glass darkly, but then we shall see and we shall know face to face. So again and again, the Bible reminds us that God doesn't owe us an explanation. And yet we still ask, why? The testings that God puts us through, the truth is it doesn't make sense to us. And so it brings us to that point of questions. And I believe that's the second thing we see here in this this chapter. And it doesn't tell us exactly how it is or what exactly Abraham says to God. But I want you to just picture him. And the interesting thing is, though, by the way, what does he do as soon as God says this to him? The Bible tells us in verse 4, early the next, verse 3, early the next morning, right away, Abraham obeys God. He got up, he loaded his donkey, he took with him two of his servants and his son Isaac. When he had cut enough wood for the burnt offering, he set out for the place that God had told him about. And it took them three days to get there. But can you imagine what that was like for Abraham? As he was going, and he would talk to God at different times, and God would speak to him. And so I can just imagine Abraham as he's walking and as he's got his son, and he looks at his son, probably 11, 12 years old, Isaac, the wonderful son of the promise that he loves more than anyone can imagine. And as he's going and the servants are there with them and they're taking the fire and the wood, he's just praying, Lord, Lord, explain this to me. I don't understand. I don't see how, how you really want me to do this. And I can just imagine during the night when he got out of his tent and he looks out And he sees all those stars there. Lord, you told me my descendants would be like the stars. But if you take him and he's offered as a sacrifice, what's going to happen? I don't understand. And then perhaps he said, as Jesus said, take this cup from me. But nevertheless, not my will, but yours. I don't understand. But Lord, don't, don't ask me to do this. Speak to me, God. Tell me something. And there's dead silence from God, not a word. Three days, three nights. And I imagine during that time there were all kinds of questions. There was all that pain as he's on his way. He's going and he doesn't understand the request of God. But he trusts God and he obeys God. And it's because he really knows God. He knows God because God has spoken to him before. And he knows of the love of God in the past. So with all that he has, he keeps going on. And then imagine when he comes to that Mount Moriah, and they're at the foot of the mountain, and he tells the servants, you stay back, he says in verse 5. I and the boy will go over there. We will worship God. And can you imagine as he takes the wood there off the donkey, and as he places the wood on his son Isaac, can you imagine? I imagine even as his, his hands perhaps were shaking, knowing what he was doing. And he himself carried the fire and the knife to slay his son and to offer him a burnt offering. And can you imagine that as he's an old man now and as he slowly goes up the mountain and maybe Isaac helps him as he loses his footing and as he maybe stumbles as he goes up because He is so much in pain. Life doesn't make sense. And then they get to this place. They're at the top of Mount Moriah. And I can just imagine he's built altars before, but he takes his time, one stone at a time, carefully putting it together, hoping that he'll hear a word from God, hoping that maybe God will speak in just a moment before Anything gets closer to the death of his son. The son he loves so much. Not a word from God. And then the Bible says that he puts the wood on the altar. Can you imagine the tears? And his son has said to him, Father, Abraham, Father, we've got the wood and we've got the fire. Where is the burnt offering? And then he says to his son, God will provide my son. Here they are. He's strapping his son down. Can you imagine if you were Isaac? Or can you imagine saying, "Father, what are you doing to me?" Father, no. And yet he keeps strapping him down. Puts him on the wood. Has the fire there ready to go. And he, the Bible says literally, he lifts that blade of the of, of, of the knife, ready to slay his son. He is willing to obey God even though he doesn't understand. And it's only at that moment, when he's ready to plunge the knife into the heart of the son he loves so much, that then the voice of the angel of the Lord comes. Abraham, Abraham, do not slay your son. Now I know, now I know that you fear God more than anything else. And God is saying to him, I know that you love me, not just for what I will give you, but you love me for who I am. And there his eyes are open to see a ram caught in the thicket. And he goes over, takes that ram, takes his son off the altar, and sacrifices him. But you look at Abraham, and you look at his strong faith, and you look at how he trusted God. And the Bible even says that Abraham did this because, it says in the book of Hebrews, because he believed that even if he had sacrificed his son Isaac, he believed in the resurrection of the dead that God could somehow raise him from the dead. He had complete trust in God. And you say, but I don't have that. And you say, when I hear this and I see that strong faith of Abraham, sometimes I don't have that strong faith. Sometimes it doesn't make sense and I don't know what to do. And, and that's the trouble because, you see, people can go one of two ways, one of two ways when life doesn't make sense. We can either get bitter and we can turn from God and we can decide that everything I was taught about God doesn't work and doesn't make sense. Or we can get closer to God through the experience. We can cling to him even more. But I think it's true. We go in one direction or the other. And there are people that Satan works it in our heart. He tries to get us to think God doesn't love you. God doesn't care for you. And and what we said earlier about providence helping us, God doesn't have providence. Things just happen by chance. No, we say it's not by chance. Everything comes from his fatherly hand. And I believe that all things will work out together for good. But Satan can sometimes get such a hold of us that we turn from God. We won't read his word anymore. We won't pray to him anymore. We won't go to church anymore because How can you believe in a God who allows these things to happen to us? But I want to show you the answers that God would give to us and how this passage can help us, even though it's so painful and even though we sometimes don't know what the outcome will be and we're in the middle of that struggle when life doesn't make sense. I think there's several things we should remember as we look at this passage tonight. One of them is to remember God's Love for you never changes. Whatever happens, whatever happens in your life, that makes no sense. God says, you are incredibly precious to me. In Isaiah 43, he says, you are precious to me and I love you. Fear not, for I am with you. Now that doesn't take all the pain away. It it doesn't. But it helps us to know that there is absolutely nothing that will ever separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Not life nor death, Paul says, not angels nor demons, not principalities or powers, and he says, nor anything else. in all creation will ever separate you from his love. And so we cling to that truth. It helps us to know, as Abraham knew, that God loves me even when I don't understand why he's allowing these things to happen in my life. His love never changes because God's character never changes. And the second thing is that we learn and we must remember that God will always provide for you. He promises to provide for us. And I think that's what's fascinating about this passage is that God provided the lamb God provided the ram it was here, but it was an animal to be sacrificed in place of his son. And and when you see that, he called the place Jehovah-Jireh. And some of you know that Jehovah-Jireh means God provides. And so as much as God loves us, he shows his love by providing for us the grace and the strength we need to go through every trial that comes our way. And, And if you doubt that God provides for you, Remember that he provided the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. You know, Isaac went up the mountain. He climbed the Mount Moriah. Jesus is the one who climbed Mount Calvary for us. And then you think of it, Isaac carried the wood as he went up Mount Moriah. And Jesus is the one who began by carrying his cross as he went on to his crucifixion. And then you also think of the fact that Isaac, as he went up there, he was the one whose father carried the fire and the knife. And we think of how Jesus knew that his heavenly father would pour out all of his wrath against sin upon Jesus. He became sin for us. He suffered because it was part of the plan for our salvation. And the truth is that our heavenly father didn't withhold the death of his son. He gave us his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. So you see some parallels between Isaac and Jesus, but the most important difference is that Jesus did die for us. God did provide the lamb that was slain for all of our sins, and it is his only begotten son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, the Son of God. So God loves us. We have to remember that. God does provide for us. And all we have to do is know that he provides for us through Jesus Christ. He gave his very life for us, Jesus did. And the Father gave his very Son for you and me. Oh, how he loves you and me. He provides for us. And he's a God who then shows us that he will do this out of his great love. But the third t- thing to remember when we're going in the midst of one of these times when we're tested in our faith is to remember that God's time is not always our time. God has a different timetable in our life because so often in our life we say, Lord, just just get me to the next step. Just get me through this. Get me to the other side of this. But yet it's through those times of testing that we realize As Paul says, in our weakness, we need the strength of God. And even though God's timing isn't our timing, God has lessons for us to learn that we'll only learn from him in times when life doesn't make sense. Times when we just cling to him with all that we have and say, Lord, I can't fix this. I can't change this but I'm going to trust that I can be patient in times of adversity as well as thankful in times of prosperity because everything is really in your hands. And you do love me, even though I don't understand. You've never promised to explain it all to me, but you've promised to be there for me. And you've promised that no matter how hard the trials are, I can remember that I can trust in you and that you will work it for good. I think of what happened to a little boy. He was about three or four years old and he got a terrible ear infection. And so his father took him to the doctor and the doctor put him on the table and the little boy had so much pain in his ear. He didn't want the doctor to come near that ear, but the doctor had to examine his ear and had to kind of look inside and kind of poke in there a little bit and, And it would cause this little boy, three or four years old, he didn't understand what was happening, but it would cause him a lot of pain. And so the doctor said to his father, because he was squirming and he wanted to get off of that table and he was crying, the little boy, his name was Ryan. So the the doctor said to the father, Ryan's father, will you hold him down while I examine him? So the father did. He held him firmly. He held him tightly. And as he did that, the doctor put an instrument into Ryan's ear and he just screamed out and then he looked with his big blue eyes into his father's face and he said, father, he said, father, why are you hurting me? Why are you doing this to me? Why don't you stop him? I thought that you loved me. And how can you explain to a three-year-old that sometimes you have to go through pain to get to another place? We don't understand, you see, as the Heavenly Father sometimes tells us, I will be with you and I love you through this time. It's not that I'm letting this happen because I don't love you. But sometimes it's necessary for the things that we need to learn and that's the way in which you can learn to trust in me. And so God would say to us, trust, trust and obey. I think it's so fascinating, the detail here, that the very next morning, Abraham did what God said. He could have said, you know, I'm not going to do this. I'm going to wait and see if God asks me to do that again. Or I'm going to wait and think about that, and I'm going to talk to several people about whether I should do what God just told me to do. No, he does it right away. Early the next morning, Abraham took his servants and his son and the fire and the wood, and the knife. But Abraham believed God will provide, and God will do that for us too.